Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are joined this morning by the indomitable Amanda Ewing. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, Amanda leads our legislative team, and even though it's the summer... There are all kinds of things happening. Um, we want to talk to you. Is there never rest? I, I know. <laughs> Is there never a downtime? <sighs> Just no. Um, Basically, no. The answer is no. Um, <laughs> Uh, we want to talk to you about a couple of things. We want to talk about funding and we want to talk about interim studies. So let's start with funding. Um, the Board of Equalization met this week, which is the group that basically says this is how much money we have to spend in state funding. Um, tell us what happened. So the board uh, previously met back in February and gave uh, its estimate of how much funding we can expect for the next fiscal year. Mm -hmm. And that's what the legislature used to create the budget. Mm -hmm. But then after they met, the legislature uh, passed many bills that impacted next year's budget. Mm -hmm. And so when they met this week, you know, they're they're finalizing the numbers based on all of that new legislation. Got it. Okay. So what, so how was that impacted? We know that there were some tax cuts. Um, I'm sure that come into play with this. Like how, how are things looking? Collections? What's going on? So it's looking good. Um, on one hand, the revenue estimates are down 2% based on those tax cuts. The fact mm -hmm. that we will next year, our, our corporate income tax and our personal income tax will go down and therefore we'll bring in less money. But there were some other kind of technicalities in the budget that surfaced new money. So, you know, ultimately we have uh, more money than we even thought we were going to have for next year. Great. So, so it's a shell game, but with extra little balls underneath <laughs> the shells. Yeah. I mean, it's a confusing one. But <laughs> I'm just glad that, you know, from what we've seen, uh, there there should be no, no harm to public schools. See, I just, I, that sounds good. Just always feels like a trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right to be skeptical. So 1017 funding is part of what they certify. And do our 1017 funds look okay? They do. I mean, at, at first glance, I was pretty nervous because yeah. they actually certified almost $300 million less than we thought they would. Mm -hmm. But it turns out, again, this is just moving money around. Okay. You know, um, last year, to balance the budget, uh, the legislature diverted money from the teacher's retirement system mm -hmm. and from the roads fund. And that was supposed to be a three-year diversion. Mm -hmm. But this year, they decided to that things look good, and they decided to go ahead and put that money back. Okay. Well, what I didn't realize is when they took that money out of TRS and roads, they actually put it in the 1017 fund. Oh. So this year they are taking it out of 1017 and putting it back. Got and it. so it looks like a big loss to TR, uh, to 1017, uh -huh. but it's really not. Good. It's good. That's great news. And yes. It's Question thinking. mark. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. I mean, that's education funding is so complicated and schools are funded by so many revenue streams. And then there are so many restrictions about what can go where. It can get complicated. And at first blush, it does look scary. So... Yeah, now there is, you know, a little bit of bad news in that uh, $60 million out of that uh, 1017 fund um, is a 
a cut due to those income tax cuts, right? Mm -hmm. We are losing $60 million this year. And the next year when those tax cuts have been in effect for a full year, it mm -hmm. will be a bigger number. It'll be closer to a hundred million. Mm -hmm. So that's not nothing right. by any means, right. but fortunately with federal relief funds and with the state of the rest of our budget, you know, um, so far our schools are still in good shape. Good news. Um, so interim studies yesterday or today, this week, was, was the deadline, the deadline for interim <laughs> studies. It's actually today, by okay. the end of the day. Okay, all right. So there could be, so. so full disclosure, there could be additional shenanigans we're not aware of by the end of today. But as of right now, what um, what are we looking at? So right now there have been 80 House interim studies requested. Mm -hmm. We don't know on the Senate side uh, because we only see those once they get approved. So you only okay. see the you know the ones that make it through the process on the Senate side. But um, I, I definitely believe we'll have more coming in throughout the course of the day. So what are some? I, I know that OEA members have been involved in in a couple of these requests. Yes, we have uh, some really good ones actually. We have. Um, we're working with Representative Talley, uh, Representative Johns, and Connolly, all on a study about education support professional pay. Great. Yeah, we want to highlight the number of ESPs who are still only making minimum wage because yes. we think that's you know pretty critical to uh, to getting ESPs a pay raise, which we've been working yeah. on for you know uh, for years. Yeah, not a livable wage. Right. No. Great. What else? Uh, we are working with Representative Fricks on one, uh, a study of defined benefit pensions. We really expect a, yes. uh, a big threat to teachers' pensions coming next session. And so um, we really want to do some looking, some investigating into, like, what are the differences and what are the benefits of a, de a defined benefit pension versus just putting your money in a, you know, a 401k mm. and what's called a defined contribution mm -hmm. retirement system. We know that pensions are the key to retirement security for, for educators. And yes. so we, we need to look deeply at that, I think. And then uh, finally, we've worked some with Representative Phillips, who is wanting to look into uh, library connectivity issues. Uh, that's a big issue after the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic highlighted so many things, right. but that's one of them. Yeah, and there are several requests or a couple other requests about rural broadband and internet mm -hmm, connectivity. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping, uh, I'm really hoping all of these get approved, but yeah. I, I think it's likely considering the broad interest in that connectivity issue that we'll, we'll be looking into that this fall. Awesome. And so there are other ones, too, that are related to education, quite a few other ones. Yeah, right now there are about 15 education interim study requests. I, As, as I said, I think we'll see more by the end of the day. But yeah. the ones that stick out to me most, um, you know, Representative Rosecrantz's uh, play-based learning bill was a big one this session. Uh -huh. He's got a study request on how frequent recess leads to fewer behavioral issues in the classroom. Oh, my word. That can we do a study on just that at my house? Because it 100% <laughs> is true. Right? Kids Look. need breaks. Their yeah. bodies are not made to sit in a desk. Right, right. And do read and write and arithmetic for hours at a time. <laughs> right. And then you, wait a minute, why are you agitated? <laughs> <laughs> why did you just fall out of your chair? Because they need to move. Oh, I hope that that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, we also have, uh, we have a couple by Representative Dills. You know, she's been the champion of legislation really trying to bring some accountability to our virtual charter schools, yes. in particular Epic. So she's asking to study education management organizations and then uh, just in general charter school sponsor contracts. Oh, that'll be a good one. Yeah. that I, I, I hope we get to see those, uh, you know, come to fruition 
We've got two by the floor leader, Representative Eccles. He is looking at improving college attendance and graduation rates, mm. and then also looking at, at expansion of the Opportunity Scholarship Program, the voucher bill that uh, passed this year. So that's pretty concerning. So we've never used to the top of the vouchers, and yet we're already talking about expansion again, which just takes money away from public education and the students that are served there it would seem so it, yeah <laughs> but, and and then let's talk about let's talk about that college uh why don't people graduate from college because they can't afford it hello i mean they get in they take as many as they can but it's going to take several years if you uh, the cost of college look I, we just had our first college visit for my daughter. Ah. So I am well versed in how much it costs to go to college at this moment. And and this just this week, OU and OSU raised their tuition. 2.75%. Not that you're counting. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So Alicia has a vested interest in the cost of college and I have a vested interest in recess and behavior. Right. Yeah. So we're in. We're in on these. But so, yeah, that's why people aren't graduating yeah. from college for yeah years and years and years, if not ever. The affordability is just not there. So what happens now with these studies? So we will hear from Senate leadership by July 2nd. They'll approve studies and oh, okay. assign them Next to week. committees. Yes. Okay. Um, and then in the House, it'll take longer. That's uh, July 23rd is a deadline for, for them to approve them and send them to committees. And then uh, legislators and committees will have until November 5th to actually put these studies together and, and have meetings and, and hear them. So that'll that'll really be, it's usually September and October that yeah. we see the, the bulk of them happen. Well, we'll be we'll be watching to see what gets approved by the Senate because it's a there's requests are a secret. So now I'm like dying to know. So double top secret request. I know it. And now the we'll, public can't really know what wait, we're at, uh, thinking about until next week. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Stay tuned. Well, thank you for keeping us in the loop, Amanda. We appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Well, we are so excited today to have a panel of lawmakers with us who are also history and civics teachers. We invited uh, their five lawmakers who um, teach these subjects. And um, unfortunately, uh, Senator Bullard and Senator Bergstrom were not available to join us today, but we are so excited to have um, Senator J.J. Dossett. Thank you for joining us. And um, Representative John Waldron, and Representative Jacob Rosecrans, thank you all for uh, coming and visiting with us today. Um, so Alicia, you wanna take it away? Yeah, well, first, will you guys tell us what you taught? Um, Representative Waldron? I taught American history, uh, world history, and US government, and whatever else they told, taught me, told me to teach. <laughs> That's how it works. Senator Dossett? I'm in the same situation. So social studies, like we talked about, but I taught. U.S. history, world history, government, Oklahoma history. And my favorite was probably my elected Exploring the American Way, but seniors only. Oh, cool. cool. Representative Rosecrans? Yeah, I was all over the place, too. I started in middle school. So really the two geographies in sixth and seventh grade, but then eighth grade history, U.S. history. And then what I stuck with for a while in high school was uh, world history. Fantastic. All right. So making the transition from teacher to lawmaker, what was that like? How, how, how did it feel to leave the classroom to um, go, go live the life of what you had been teaching? 
Let's start with Senator Dossett. Sure. Um, in a lot of ways, I've always said teachers make good uh, legislators because we're used to dealing with children that disagree potentially. <laughs> and uh, we're constituents could be, you know, people who are angry at you. You're used to dealing with parents, grades and difficult things sometimes. Yeah. Um, but no, the process as a government teacher, as I know uh, the others on this call taught government as well. It's a totally different beast when you're in the middle of it. You know how it's supposed to work, how it actually works. Uh, you have a loose framework, um, but a lot of times we don't follow those rules at all. Uh, and it is about dealing with people more than it is with them. Uh, so, but I, I do agree. I, or I, I do stand by the teachers do make good legislators because they, they have to deal with people and it is a people business. And um, you have to deal with uh, constituents and, and you work for the public, which teachers are always under scrutiny from the public. Uh, so I think we're, we're trained to do it well. Uh, but I, I don't know if, uh, if it's easy to navigate when you do crossover. Right. Representative Rosecrans. Yeah. So um, I think it transitioned perfectly, especially I think I'm the only middle school teacher here. <laughs> it, God bless uh, you, middle school. I, oh God. I got I got to the Capitol, you know, straight up out of my classroom. There wasn't in a, like a little waiting period. Um, one week I was teaching, I believe it was Yorktown uh, in the Revolutionary War. The next I was I was in the Capitol making well, we were in like a $1.6 billion hole back in the day in 2017. Y'all had fought it out during 2016. And here I come walking in. Do, do, do. Hey, everybody. Um, nobody knew who I was, but it, it was like being a first year teacher in many ways. You kind of sit, you learn, you do what you can. It was it was indispensable for me because there was no bills to really vote on. We came in a bunch. We were trying to, uh, it was a special session called by uh, Governor Fallon at the time. And uh, I'm telling you, though, right away, I was like, wow, so I can do um, learning style inventories. I can do all these different things just by people, how they how they act and how they do things. Everything I learned as a teacher, but then the middle school aspect, too. I'm telling you, when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of when you're talking to people about bills and stuff like that, you got to move fast. You got to be quick. You got to kind of roll through the chaos. And uh -huh. that's middle school. So um, I, I think I was uniquely uh, suited for this. Representative Waldron. Well, I think that teaching history is about relating all the terrible missteps and bad decisions people made in the past and practicing politics is watching it happen in real time. Um, I also think that um, the difference between, between being a government teacher and being a politician is that as a government teacher, you teach how a bill becomes a law. And there's a box here and a box yeah. there and, and, and there's yeah. arrows connecting all the boxes from start to finish. When you get into the legislature, you realize the real action is happening not in the boxes, it's happening in the arrows. And often those arrows are being uh, are behind closed doors where you don't get to see what's going on. So yeah, uh, Jacob is right. It is a whole different beast when you're in there uh, in the middle of it. And um, I think uh, one thing we're gonna need to address here is that we're all Democrats, members of the minority party. So you uh, have an important role studying what's going on and relating what's going on, analyzing it, um, because we're not directing. So all of you taught that process, and I love the way you put it with the boxes and the arrows, um, and now you live the process. Were there, were there parts of it that were surprising to you, or are there things that you think, oh man, if I had, if I had to teach over again, you know, I really would have emphasized this more, or I would have taught this differently. Are there things that were 
surprising to you, even though you guys are are very aware of it, maybe in ways that other lawmakers are not. Um, and Senator Dossett, we'll start with you. Sure. No, the I, I really like the way John described that as well with the arrows, because you don't really realize how fragile an idea or something could be. Mm-hmm. And it could totally be based on personalities or egos or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't teach it that way. You teach it that, oh, if enough people in this committee like it, then it can move on to this. Yeah. And if enough people there like it. <laughs> and a lot of times uh, yeah, the, the reality is it's 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 not a the process is there. And I'll still stand by it's the best system in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it has a lot to do with people, personalities and egos. And uh, that's the part that I would have to teach differently. I could say this has, even though this is a good idea, the state of Oklahoma really needs right now. Um, this person may be mad at that person and the whole thing gets tanked. So that I would have to teach that part of it next time, not just if enough of the people like it that represent enough of the people, then it can become law because it's it's not that way. What about you, Representative Rosecrans? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with the senator there. Uh, It's (laughs) having seen my first bill go all the way through the system, a very simple little bill called the Play to Learn Act that took three years. (laughs) <laughs> that that thing well it became my baby and so I, I watched every single little level I know we get like eight bills every year but you have certain pieces of legislation that you really want to guide through and I decided after taking a look at the land I was like well I'm just going to try to really focus on this one thing and then just go forward and that's kind of where the middle school mindset or the teacher mindset comes from too I mean if you really, really, truly believe in something and you really want to see it done, then you're just going to keep on hitting it. Hitting it. Same thing with any kind of a, a standard or, a, you know, in your lessons or something like that. And uh, but, yeah, as you do that, you learn a lot. I mean, uh, experience is the best teacher for me, 100 percent. So as I again, we have different bills we can run, but a passionate bill, something that's our that we're, we're carrying and, and watching. Then you see all the little nuances and exactly what uh, Senator Dawson said. I, I became scared. I was like, whoa, the timing of this bill, we need to, aren't, aren't you guys mad at that group? <laughs> Am I going to lose votes because of this? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. And it was legit things you have to be worried about. I, I yeah. even remember the author saying, you know, hey, um, I mean, my Senate author saying, uh, boy, I just voted against that speaker bill. I hope that doesn't hurt you. And I was like, would it? <laughs> yeah yeah like i hope not either bro <laughs> but just the little nuances things that you never could know and that would be hard to teach too but you know yeah. some of my former students have reached out to me and they're like so what is it like you know yeah what's it like being up there at the at the uh in washington dc i was like first of all i'm not dc second of all <laughs> um second of all it's it's kind of like your old uh seventh grade class you know it's it's very similar trying to balance the things out. So yeah, um, completely agree with the Senator and it's, uh, I would have to go back in and teach it a completely different way, a probably fun way too, a very hands-on way with the experiences that I've had. What about you, Representative Waldron? Well, I think I, my experiences are similar, but I, I can throw in two examples about the way things happen that you wouldn't have thought about when you were teaching uh, in class. So um, 
Everybody knows that uh, EPIC uh, has been a big issue. Uh, EPIC uh, Youth Services and EPIC Charter Schools have been in the news a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, multi-county grand jury identified all kinds of abuses in the process. The state auditor's report was pretty damning. But no legislation advanced until the last two weeks of the legislature after the multi-county grand jury report came out. Mm-hmm. At that point, your fresh-faced freshman in a government class would say, oh, so now we're going to pass a law that fixes that problem and, and issues proper regulation. Not so, I would have to say. Now, one person in one Senate committee blocked the legislation from advancing it from House to Senate. So Senate to House, so House to Senate. So even if the issues are really clear and a political consensus emerges that action needs to be taken, individuals and individual relationships can still matter a great deal. And I guess another story I would tell is that I once had a bill, I brought it to committee, one member raised one objection and I agreed to spend an additional week fixing a problem that member pointed out mm-hmm. on the assurance that we could hear it in committee the next week. Well, it snowed over the weekend, so we didn't meet. Oh, them. my gosh. And the bill died in the snowstorm. Oh, no. Yeah. It'll thaw, and I'll bring, I'll bring it back in next year. But uh, things as arbitrary as that can affect the legislative yeah. process. Wow. Yeah. So, so let's circle back to um, being a history teacher. What is the purpose of teaching history? And we'll start with Representative Waldron for this one. Okay. Well, I think history is a stone which you sharpen your mind on. I mean, it's the sum of the human experience. And there's a lot to be learned in there about logic, about cause and effect, about uh, human dynamics. Uh, and it's not your job to indoctrinate uh, students because that would be to suggest that history is a, is a linear progression of points A inevitably leading to B to C. Really, history is more of a conversation among uh, sources and historians, and anybody's guess is as good as yours about what, what happened and why things happened. So what you really need to do in, t- in teaching history is not memorization of facts, not acceptance of some government-defined truth. What you have to do is teach people to weigh evidence and uh, engage in discussion, in dialogue, to understand what history means. And that means on a personal basis as well as um, in an academic basis. You need to know what history means to you. So it's a real honor and a privilege to teach up that subject because if you can take all the facts and evidence and statistics in a history class and turn them into stories that are relevant and meaningful and stick with kids because they've had a chance to take facts and turn them into the truth by handling them personally, well, then you've done something lasting. That's awesome. And and spot spot on, Senator Dossett, you want to add to that? Absolutely, uh, I agree with uh, Representative Faldron about the, the the human experience part for sure. Uh, students need to understand the world around them. You know, at the local level, at the national level, at the world level. Um, and it's to me, it's always been my thing, even when I was young, because it's just a it's a story. You know, history is ongoing stories, multiple stories all along at the same time, but to try to understand them. And my favorite part, kind of like John mentioned, um, was the critical thinking aspect was really to I'll take I'll take explaining Juneteenth to my we do it every year. But my sons always forget the specifics of it. It was a federal holiday as of yesterday. Um, But in a history class, you get to break down exactly why 
we picked why Juneteenth ended up being the, the holiday. And, and, it, and cause you had, I asked my kids yesterday, well, it's the day all the slaves were freed. I'm like, no, that's not true. <laughs> then we're like, and, and they're like the same emancipation proclamation. I'm like, well, yes, it started with that, but then Man, whatever yeah. else. This is yeah. like a total dad trap when your dad's right. a history teacher. <laughs> it was. You're like, and what I, is it? No, I just, <laughs> I did the same thing about Juneteenth specifically with my students or specific yeah. holidays. Um, and yeah. it's, but I'm like, it's actually when the last uh, rebellious state got word that that's, that slaves in rebellious states are free mm-hmm. because there were four states that were neutral and did not get. So getting into the details of, of all these things and then, and then hopefully helping kids shift their mind to, yeah. um, and, and that's critical thinking at that point, because right. like, and it's understood by some of the public uh, that history is just memorizing facts. Well, sometimes, sometimes those facts are, are, are not necessarily facts. You know, those are things that we've been, we've documented or some or certain parties have documented or whatever else, but to go understand truly um, what has happened before them to other humans, to other <clears throat> Oklahomans, to other Americans, um, then that's, that's the process. We need to teach that. Um, just because it, it gives you a foundation on who you are, who we are as a group, because a lot of um, a lot of people don't understand the importance of social studies or, or history in general. But it, the critical thinking part is definitely the part you teach kids how to uh, interact with with what we know about who we are as a people. So I love it. And, uh, and it, is, it, it is very important. It's more important than those uh, English teachers are telling you where to put commas or, oh or periods. Oh, my word. We teach, we teach ideas, not, not you know, proper. We're going we're gonna to let that slide. We're just going to okay, let that slide. Senator Gossett doesn't know that one of my certification areas is grammar and composition. <laughs> I think I knew that. Certified in English as well. So we're going to. We're going to rumble after this. We're probably going <laughs> to. Representative Rosecrans, what's yeah, so, about history? <clears throat> well, I have kind of a different angle, obviously, which is really neat. All, all three of us do. Um, with my middle school experience, uh, you just, <laughs> boy, you say critical thinking, and uh, that is not something that can just be instantly taught. That's probably the most difficult thing to teach a child is to think critically about something. They're used to being spoon fed. I don't know if that came from elementary school or, or wherever else. Depends. Really depends where they where the way they came from or their hard work ethic or, or whatever else. But um, once you do teach that, and you can then do assignments that have to do with critical thinking, and you can break things down. That's when you really see the oh, that's why we're learning this. Oh, oh, that makes sense. And but before that point, you have to kind of look at it as how do I get these kids attention about this? And what I do there is kind of a learning styles inventory, as we said before, I, I kind of rely on those types of things. Um, but also, uh, you know, what are their interests? So then I could really dig in there and be like, OK, you're interested in World War Two. Just so happens I am, too. Let's talk about that. And then so I try to use that as kind of a springboard to the, the, the things that you're going to have to know that makes history so important, which is those critical thinking skills. You don't just, you know, I hope that my students that I had don't just walk into the world just believing everything they read. I mean, it's it's honestly about looking at it, th- breaking it down, giving, taking those skills that we teach in all aspects of life, really, not just history. 
um, being able to understand what uh, propaganda is, you know, those types of things. Um, and that and that attaches to their life, especially now with uh, so much of the, of the social media world we live in. I mean, you see it all the time. There's people that can just put something out there that's truthful or not truthful and take and say it's truth. And people, a good chunk of people are going to be like, mm -hmm, yep, that's the truth. And then, of course, if you don't have critical thinking skills, you're going to be like, mm -hmm, that's the truth. But if you have those th critical thinking skills that history teachers do teach, um, then you can be like, hmm, I'm probably going to take a look at this. I'm going to do some research and we're going to try to figure it out from that end. And that's that's my whole goal with 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 teaching. Yeah. Um, try to get them excited about it and then break it down and then teach those skills that you're going to have to have to, to break things down in the future too, in every aspect of life. Now, not in one of your um, descriptions, did I hear you talk about um, the importance of indoctrinating your students? Yeah, real quickly, it's, it's yet another unfortunate attack on the profession in which we have a critical shortage in. It puts handcuffs on people who are doing a job that we're having a harder and harder time to get people to do a job. I talked about this bill in committee at length, just as far as unfunded mandates and telling a group of people how to do their job. There's no other profession in the state, I don't, I'm going to argue that we tell them exactly how they can and can't do their job, but we expect high graded performance at the end of it. You know, it's it's a shame that politicians on a regular basis think they need to step into classrooms, ones they probably haven't been in in some time or have a lack of understanding of of any modern education system and um, and tell people what they can and can't do. It's a political problem that once again will negatively impact teachers, students. Um, but you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that teachers, we, that we just, we can't step back and let the teachers do their job. This indoctrinating thing, mm. I, I would not be able to do that if I really, really tried because you're dealing with teenagers who are naturally going to dislike you or uh, not believe you or, and we, if you're, you're teaching them critical thinking, so you're teaching them to doubt the things you're telling. Sure. So kind of it's it's part of a process. And I'm sorry, teachers just don't have the power to indoctrinate their students. Um, and it and if one really was, they would not be parents would not tolerate that. School boards would not tolerate that. Administrators would not tolerate that. Um, so once again, straw man, I believe John called it. It's not a real problem. It's not a real thing. Once again, the Oklahoma legislature is addressing problems that do not exist. So. I mean, to build off that exact point that you made, this, but this happens every session. It happens, this session is about history. Um, it's often about science, um, English, what books are kids reading, um, even math. I said to Alicia earlier today, like, has math been controversial? Like, I couldn't remember, but oh, of course, math has been, you know, um, we're not using division the way it used to be, whatever. Mm -hmm. So why is that? Why is that something that comes up every single session? It's because it, it works. You know, whatever. If you can get voters emotionally involved, whether it be Common Core, whether it be the way we divide, whether it be um, how and getting rid yeah. of U.S. history. Sure. Or um, you know, the idea that we can be religious in, in biology and and things like that. The, it's because it works. People wouldn't. So 
all right, best system in the world. If, if it, if it doesn't work, then people won't do it. But if it, if it works to rile someone up, um, cause that's how we, that's how we decide who, who gets elected, then you can guarantee there's going to be people out there campaigning on it and, and working it. So, I mean, that is democracy. Um, is so if, if, if it, if it, if it doesn't work or didn't work, then they will move yeah. on to something else. So that's, that's my take on it is they're, they're trying something that they think will work and it's up to the people to let them know if it will or won't hopefully, well, let's let the people decide. So then, so to build off that, but in the same vein, um, how, what is that, how does that affect teachers that continual and representative Waldron I'll ask you to go next how does that that continual like churn about what what you're doing and how you're doing it fight how does that filter down to educators well here's the communist effect uh, and I wrote an essay about this feel free to check it out on waldronforok.com how are they going to know, how are they going to know that um, teachers are making students feel guilty if students don't report the teachers? And what you have here is a culture, we're creating a culture where students are encouraged to denounce their teachers and uh, put them on trial, which we saw in the Chinese Cultural Revolution, which we saw in the days of the Soviet Union. Uh, it's a dehumanizing uh, construct where we whip people up with this sense of fear and outrage, and they break down the institutions of law and order that uh, used to hold the system together. So on the one hand, 1775 doesn't actually bar teachers from doing much. It's like the seven dirty words you can't say on There's certain phrases in the legislation that you're not allowed to say or use. They never mention critical race theory. So um, if the teacher is told, well, you've been a communist indoctrinator, I guess I would say prove that I used any of those phrases that are in the legislation and I should be okay, except that we're creating a culture where it's okay to target and accuse and tear down our teachers. And Senator Dossett made a great point. It's not like teachers like us grow on trees. We're leaving Oklahoma in large numbers. 2,000 teachers retired this year double the usual number. We have maybe 1,300, 1,400 teachers in our uh, students in our teaching colleges right now, and a quarter of those at least are going to go to other states. So we're not replacing the population of teachers that we have right now. And we're only going to make it worse if we vilify and, uh, and beat them up. And I, my final thing I'd like to say is that the people who like to criticize and condemn teachers are not the people who like to replace them in the classroom to become teachers themselves. Talk is cheap. But what are you going to do when the last teacher leaves the classroom? Representative Rosecrans? Yeah, to add on to that, um, both both points very well made. Um, it, exactly. I mean, there's, I, I can remember one of the bills, um, not not the CRT, not, not House Bill 1775. It was a different one um, that was going to force history teachers to what was that one? Exam. The citizen's exam. Citizen's exam. Yeah. And I had so many teachers reach out to me, history teachers, former ones I knew and just from around the state that were like, don't do this. This is stupid. If we're not trying to add more tests, why are we why are we trying to do this? Oh, no, I think it was the bill also to uh, uh, to to get rid of the uh, U.S. history or to make the U.S. history test an actual grade. I love that idea. I think that was Waldron's bill. And I think it was, <laughs> that was our bill. I think it was these two guys, Bill. And I loved it because 
Yeah. If you're going to be in a, in a world of, of where tests matter most, because I've been fighting against that since I became a teacher, and I think a lot of us have, but if we're in that world, yeah, darn well better make it across the board it's either test everything or don't test anything at all in my mind because otherwise you have these hierarchies and and you have a, a big push right now if you ask me that history and uh social studies in general are becoming electives and that's horrible that's but i wonder if that's kind of uh, uh, purposeful um down to i hope i'm not a voice in the wilderness anymore but a push for privatization if you don't have the best and the brightest teaching in your classrooms anymore, uh-huh. um, if you have a bunch of emergency certified teachers, sure, I'm sure some will pan out. But if that's what you're relying on, then you're talking about harming the entire system of public education that we are actually relying upon. Most of the kids in the state um, for, for to what end? I mean, we don't know. I mean, there's these these theories and what's whatnot. But same uh-huh. thing with all the tests. I know the test and punish is kind of trying to push away from that. But if you look at this. It, it seems purposeful to me. Um, vilify, vilify somebody or yeah. some some sector, make it look like, uh, and so then those teachers don't want to go teach anymore. And then you get a few, you know, after a while, it just kind of goes away. And then what do you have? You have, oh, hey, you don't like this education you have here? Here's the voucher for a private school where you can go. Yeah. History is in an existential crisis right now, a hundred percent. And it's more important than ever, especially civics. Uh, you saw with like the insurrection. I think a lot of those folks honestly thought that they were doing what they were uh, lawfully capable of doing. And it's not the case. Um, so, yeah. Jacob, you'll know you were in the committee room when the author of the citizenship test bill uh, was defending. He said, well, if history teachers were teaching citizenship, maybe we wouldn't have violent demonstrators in the streets. He was really referring to Portland. But I think he was also suggesting that history teachers have a job of keeping students from becoming protesters, which sounds a lot to me like indoctrination. That's what I was going to say. And that's what it did sound like to me, too. Again, hey, I'm a big believer. I'm I'm almost like a libertarian. Just let's just fund our schools and then get the heck out of the classroom. You know what I'm saying? Instead, we're like, oh, well, we'll just go in and we'll tell those history teachers, those professionals, how to teach and what to teach. Sounds like communism to me, folks. You're a libertarian who likes to pay taxes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what, I mean, this this school year, especially um, for the civil unrest, the pandemic, um, everything that educators and our support professionals and our families have been facing, um, and then a very contentious um, legislative session for education policy, um, what message do you guys want to send to our educators and our education support professionals? Teachers have enormous political power if you will wield it. And you can have the schools that you want, the dream school, if you'll just wield that power as a block. That's what I'm saying. Stay involved. Don't give up. Don't leave the state. Fight for the state. Representative Waldron. I agree with what Representative Rosecrans said. Um, and in terms of your classroom experience, you're still a, you're in charge of your classroom. And we politicians don't wander into your classrooms very often. Uh, nobody who uh, thought you guys were indoctrinators actually spent a moment in your classroom. So build relationships with your students, teach the standards, study the material carefully, and remember to give students ownership of the material by letting them engage and discuss and and learn the critical thinking skills they need to master the material. History should remain a stone that we use to sharpen our minds with. And if you can teach the kids to do that, 
then they're going to respect you and they're going to learn and you're going to have a lasting impact. And don't worry too much about the language that's coming out of the legislature. It's, it's designed to discourage you, but you're still in charge in your classroom and you can still change the, war, the future by touching the minds of these kids. And that's still a great privilege. Thank you. Senator Dossett? I would like to say to educators, just rest up right now. You've had a tough year. Um, and what I think everybody knows in a school building is that the, the negative from morale things that are coming out are not the majority of your community or your state. Stuff that comes out of the legislature, like we've said already here, it's political. It's most people in your community and your state you hear, you hear loud minorities all the time in your community. And we heard a lot from them this year, I would think, in a lot of our communities. But you're doing a good job. Um, keep on, even when it's hard. But you so say you do need to rest up, but go back into school next year and know that the majority, the, the vast majority of folks appreciate what you do for their kids and their community. It's, it, it has been really nice to see so some, some, some things happen, have happened in, in all our communities, but then you hear, you see some counter things come out, you know, where parents form together and say, you know what, good job, teachers. We know it's hard right now. You don't get to control a lot of the things that are happening right now, but keep fighting because we need you. Our community needs you. Our kids need you. So that focus on the positive messages out there um, because in general, um, I've seen polls. People love their public school teachers. And um, yeah, try to ignore the bad stuff and just keep doing your job because it's a fun job. I miss it. Um, yeah. I, I got drawn into advocacy at some point and here I am just because I was frustrated uh, at some point. So that frustration, let it drive you, like uh, Jacob said, you know, to get involved. But don't let it run you off from the profession because it is a great profession. You're needed. And um, it's it's the most rewarding job I've ever done. This job I do now, not so much, but uh, <laughs> but stick with it. And sometimes you don't appreciate it as much that you leave it. You know, I haven't taught in five years. So I, I really miss it. So um, keep it, keep up the good work is all I'd say to teachers. Well, we want to say thank you so much to all three of you for making time to visit with us today um, and for your support of public education. Thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor to be here. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Do, 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 do. All right. So we've got a couple of dates. One is for our education support professionals. We are having an ESP planning party. Uh, so leaders of locals in, especially in and around the metro area, uh, within, you know, a drivable distance to get to something uh, from six to eight and get back home and not you know, be exhausted. Mm -hmm. uh, we're having that ESP planning party on July 13th. Contact Brianna Flatley at OEA to register. Um, you do have to register to be here. They're going to have lunch. It's going to be Ted's, yes. which makes it even more, mo better. Can I register? <laughs> I think you can just be there. Yes. But you should let them know so they have enough. I'll be like, I heard that there was queso. Yeah. I'm and here. I, those cinnamon chips from Ted's. Oh, but my word. We're off track on food and not. <laughs> Announcements. And not the actual <laughs> event of ESP planning, which is yes. the important, the importanter part of it. <laughs> All right. And then on July 15th, we have summer leadership, which is for any member 
You can go online to okea.org slash SLA2021, that's Summer Leadership Academy, SLA2021, and register. There is no cost. It is virtual, yeah. and it's going to be fantastic, I hear. Yes, you can wear your pajamas. You could. Do and just you. not turn on your camera. But, you know, it makes me sad when people don't turn on their camera because I like to see their faces. You know what? Get You can get fancy from the waist up, and then you can wear pajama pants. Right. And turn on your camera. I mean, in all honesty, I don't care what you look like. I just want to <laughs> see your face. Yes. That's the thing. I've missed people's faces. <laughs> Um, and lastly, we of course have a partnership with, um, with OU sports and, um, and so we're letting you know about one of their events. You can go to Soonersports.com slash challenge, and they're having a junior fans fitness challenge thing with academics, nutrition, (laughs) sportsmanship. It's basically 30 minutes of reading, 30 minutes of physical activity, eat a nutritious meal, and exhibit sportsmanship, and fill out this form, and you can be entered to win an OU football VIP experience. Oh, man. It's big time stuff. Can I just tell you, that list, is like, I should do that for my own self. Like, if I could do that in my own life, I would be legit proud of myself. Every day, right? Like, I'm just... It's very, it's like a list of like living your best life. So what did you have for breakfast this morning? Was it a nutritious meal? Yes, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. (laughs) It wasn't. I had a donut. I had a glass of iced tea and a handful of beef jerky. We're okay. We're already out. We're already not eligible. I mean, but but we can we can overcome. Yeah. If we think about lunch or dinner. Right. Yeah. We have two more chances yeah. to get it together today. Yeah. Oh, the odds are low. Because <laughs> it's Friday and I'm going to the arts festival. Oh man, yes. I'm sure there'll be lots of healthy options there. Yeah. Well, we want to say thank you so much to Amanda Ewing, our legislative team leader. And we want to say thank you to the history teachers of the Oklahoma legislature who joined us today. We want to say thank you to you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.